0: And now we hear the full text, the story from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to God under Eli. The word of God was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of God where the ark was. Then God called Samuel, Samuel, Samuel said, Here I am and ran to Eli and said, Here I am for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. So Samuel went away and lay down. And God called again. Samuel, Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you son. Lie down again. Now, Samuel did not yet know God, and the word of God had not yet been revealed to him. God called Samuel again a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that God was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if the voice calls to you, you shall say, Speak, my God, for your servant is listening. So? Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now God came and stood there, calling as before. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then God said to Samuel,
1: See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears it tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told Eli that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever.
0: Samuel lay there until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of God. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli, but Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel said, Here I am. Eli said, What was it that God told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that God told you. So Samuel told Eli everything and hid nothing from him. Then he said, It is God. Let God do what seems good. As Samuel grew up, God was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet. God continued to appear at Shiloh, for God revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by God's own word. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God.
1: Uh, we didn't exactly plan it this way, but it, was, it felt fortuitous to me, or providential perhaps, to be able to bless uh, young prophets in our own midst on the day that we uh, read the scripture about <clears throat> Samuel and Eli. In conversation recently with someone who was about my age, I just turned 44, um, the two of us were trying to figure out the age of a younger acquaintance, Um, And this friend said, those 30-somethings are seeming younger all the time. As a parent, I am often hit with the realization that I'm the old mom um, of all of my six-year-old's parents, uh, six-year-old's friends' parents who are all younger than me, having had, as I did, a geriatric pregnancy, which is what they call it when you're 38 and you're pregnant. Uh, So I guess we've reached that age, the age when we call 20-somethings 20-year-old kids When our first comment upon seeing a child is about how much they've grown. When we say things like, I can remember when your parents first brought you to church, young whippersnapper. And we shake our cane and we pinch their cheeks. Uh, Okay, I'm not quite that crotchety of a grandma yet, but I do have to admit that I am not young anymore. Um, Storyteller and comedian Mike Rabigul for has a joke about me- reaching middle age, um, that you need to acknowledge that you're middle-aged when if you were to double your age and you died, it wouldn't be a tragedy. <laughs> it would be sad, but people wouldn't say, oh, she was so young. Uh, and I have been there for a while now. Uh, so in our story, we have... A beloved elder, and look, the true the storyteller truly wants us to know that Eli is old he's so old that his sight has gone, and I was recalling as I heard as I read this story this week, the last time we heard about someone whose sight had gone, which we heard about together a few weeks ago, was around uh, Isaac and his ability to not even perceive his own son when his son came to him, so there's a sense even at which like the the leaving of one's sight might even have to do with like mental capacity. Um, so there's Eli, whose eyes are so weak he's unable to see. He's an ancient priest. And then we have the boy, Eli, uh, the boy Samuel. And Bible scholars that I consulted say maybe around 11 or 12. Truly a whippersnapper, young person. This is a story of contrasts. A boy at the beginning of his life dedicated to the work in the temple. His mother has dedicated him in has spent his whole young life serving in God's service. And then there's Eli, who's a priest, but one whose own life and family have gone off the rails. His sons, by contrast with Samuel, are despicable men who do not know the Lord. That's what the previous chapter says about them, and in fact that they and enumerates the ways that they took temple sacrifices that weren't meant for them, and like, took those rich sacrifices, and they treated women uh, in demeaning ways and used people. And so there's this contrast as well. So this story is ostensibly about the young Samuel. He is, after all, the one who's got his name on the book. Uh, But Eli plays a a pivotal part, at least in this chapter of the book, one of the things that I really love about this story is that right off the bat, the author tells us this is not a time when people were hearing the voice of God. Visions were rare. People weren't having dreams and visions and seeing staircases to heaven and walking with God in the grasses or whatever. Like, they, were, they were like us. They, they were not hearing God's voice. They were not given to divine having the divine ear. We even get an aside about Samuel at one point. He didn't yet know God. God God had not been revealed to him yet. Like us, they're just going about their lives, doing the best they can without a divine hotline to provide clear instructions. So when Samuel hears the voice of Melissa calling to him, of course he does not know what is going on. God has not yet been revealed to him. Now, I do take a little bit of issue with God here, who could have said, Hello, Samuel, this is God calling. (laughs) Because we have been told visions are rare. How is Samuel to know? Uh, He did not have the advantage of caller ID. But instead, we get this comedy of errors where Samuel hears a voice, jumps up, goes to Eli, and he's like, Eli's like, go back to bed, and having, speaking of six-year-olds, one who has been jumping out of bed multiple times recently, it gets old, (laughs) like, go back to bed. Uh, And it would have kept on like that, I guess, except it dawned on Eli, though he had lived a lifetime as a priest without having a divine encounter with God, the God that he had served his whole life, that, oh, maybe Just maybe this is God's voice calling Samuel. I mean, maybe he just thought like this is a way to make sure that Samuel stays in his room. But I don't think that's what the author had in mind. I believe that it is significant that he shared this insight with Samuel. He doesn't try to gain some favor for himself or insert himself in the situation. Possibly he knows that the word God has to speak will not be a good one for him, and yet he does not try to get Samuel to intervene on his behalf. He doesn't tell Samuel that he's too young to understand this, or he's not old enough to have this experience that's so grand with the divine. He simply tells Samuel how to make himself available to God, open to hearing God's word. And Samuel, for his part, does exactly as Eli instructs. This is quite a thing to experience as an 11-year-old, to be called into the work of prophecy and to have to communicate some very bad news to someone who has essentially been your surrogate father for your entire life, someone who's a mentor who is beloved to you, someone who might not want to hear what you have to say. And again, when Samuel comes to Eli with this news, this really devastating news about Eli's family, Eli again acts admirably. For sure, he would not have been happy about this news that Samuel brings. And yet he receives it with grace and equanimity, saying, God will do what God will do. It's almost like he heard Pastor Megan's sermon about God's name. God will be what God will be. This is who God is. Young people are acting as prophets in our midst all the time. If only we would listen to them as well as Eli listened to Samuel. I mean, off the top of my head, I think of people like Amanda Gorman or Emma Gonzalez around uh, gun violence, or Greta Thunberg, and I'm sure you can name many more. Speaking words of prophetic justice, if only we would hear them. I can remember when I was a child, feeling like very clearly, when I was maybe the age of Rosie and Lulu and Emily, of, of maybe asking a question, or speaking to those who are older than me, about something I really cared about, or maybe showing some poetry that I had written. I mean, granted, it was probably terrible. But showing this, or talking about this to an older person, and being laughed at. And like, not in a mean way, but in the way that we sometimes do to children, like, oh, isn't that so cute? Or, oh, that's such a silly, funny thing to say. It really stings. It really stings. And it never stops stinging, being thought of as inconsequential, because you're too young, too inexperienced. Um, And though I haven't made it to the, the, the age of beloved elder quite yet, I think there's probably also an element of that in the way we respond to those who are older than us, the generation ahead. I mean, it happens in church too. Sure, we can think of times. When we who are middle aged look at those 20-somethings and think, "Oh, they're getting younger all the time," or we get called boomers by our children, even though I am just barely on the cusp of Gen X, <laughs> I'm an Xennial. When they think we're we're out of it and we're irrelevant, and we're irrelevant, but it's it's all relative. I'm in the middle. I'm older than someone, I'm younger than someone else. We're all older than someone and younger than someone else. An Eli to someone's Samuel and a Samuel to someone's Eli. So, my word to Samuels, who are probably more listening on Zoom. Hello. The ones who are thought of as too young by those who are older. You are called and you are valued Your voice and vision are not the future of the church. They are the church's present. You are the prophets who are telling the world the truth and calling us to look at it boldly. Listen for God's voice and speak what you hear. And also listen to the voice of elders, beloved elders whose insight and experience will help you to hear God better. And Eli's, many of whom are in this room. Beloved elders, who are seen as, or those who are seen as old by people who are younger than them, allow God to speak through the young. I see many of you nodding. Let their energy and passion inspire you. Hold God's word lightly and without grasping. Offer your wisdom. Offer your wisdom, for you are not the church of the past, but the church of the present. What I love about church, what I have always loved about church, even as a teen, when I went away to Mennonite boarding school when I was uh, 15, I chose to go to church when many of my peers did not. I I love the way the generations are mixed up in church, the way they are in almost no other setting. The way as a 16 year old, I could go to church with adults who were not my parents and was invited into leadership and given a place, allowed to participate, affirmed in my gifts. Or when, as an early 20 something, I went to a church where it took me several weeks to figure out which kids went to which parents and which families fit together because all of the kids and adults just. We're family to each other. Except the teens were all lumped together in the back corner. And there, too, I was welcomed and given a role, and before I had even gone to seminary, invited to preach, invited to teach Sunday school, to be a youth sponsor. In this story about Eli and Samuel, Israel is at an inflection point. The old era was at its end, and God was about to do a new thing Something that made the ears of anyone who heard it tingle. I love that translation uh, from the Hebrew. In the story of Israel, this is when the shift is happening from this time of a disparate governance by judges to a centralized monarchy. And Samuel will play a key role in inviting or in calling and anointing the first two kings. We may also be at an inflection point. I don't know necessarily if you can see it or know when it's happening. But we certainly can say that we have been experiencing things that are new to many of us in the past couple of years, both in the world around us and right here in this congregation. And they're related to each other, the ways we're experiencing those things. property where we're standing may look dramatically different it will look dramatically different three years down the road and we don't know exactly how we are absolutely in in some kind of a shift even if it's not as dramatic as moving from judges to monarchy but we're in a shift this may be exactly the right time to hear this story all of us are called to be priests and prophets who are completely open to hearing God's call and invitation. Not that there won't be some mistakes and mishearings, hopefully humorous and not devastating along the way. But we are a community who see each other in generations and have a place in whatever new thing God is doing in our community. In closing, I offer this prayer from Brent Strawn, who's a professor of Old Testament at Candler School of Theology. Beckoning God, in the stillness of the night, you called Samuel into your service. Call us into service with a voice we are able to hear and give us hearts to come when we are called. Amen. Our hymn of response I think will not be new, but maybe a beloved favorite. It is one of my beloved favorites that speaks, sings, I should say, the words of Samuel when he is called. Here I am. Joanne is going to, it's number 545 in your hymnals, and Joanne is going to play all three verses so you can read and hum along.